Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. This 4 o'clock football frenzy is coming to you from Adam Island. That is where Adam Hill goes to make receivers disappear. But it is also where Adam Candy and Adam Hill host Cofield and Company. Although, let's be honest, it's actually from the Golden Circle at the TI for a Vegas Golden Knights watch party. It's also at the Finley Toyota Studios where Ari is. He's ready to get us into it. Um, Adam, let's start off the field because this is one of the most disturbing things that I've seen throughout the entire draft process. And I am actually a little bit upset at you for pointing it out to me. Uh, you sent this along earlier today for for our consideration. Um, no one here ever thought Mel Kuyper was a normal human being. Like, no. taking VHS tapes of draft prospects and putting together, like, a bound book that you go door-to-door selling, essentially. Like, that is not a normal way to make a living. Um but, of course, Kuiper is who he is. Draft is a 365-day process. Um, you got to just do what you got to do to get through. But um, I, I'm going to, before I let you weigh in on this, I have to let the man himself have his say about how Mel Kuiper stays fueled, stays ready to go throughout the entire draft season. Take the cheese off most of it. I'll leave some. And then I, uh, a big mashed potatoes with pizza person. So I love mashed potatoes really? with the pizza. Yeah, I love mashed potatoes with the pizza. I am absolutely stunned at pizza with mashed potatoes, Mel. How did that really develop? Good. How did you make that happen? Uh, what, were you a kid? Where did that come from? I wouldn't even think you of know, it. it it came, I think, be it with ESPN. When you're up there, you're trying to everything get everything quick because you're in between. You're doing Sports Center and NFL Live and all the things you're taping. And I remember just combining the two, and I said, "Man, this really works." There is no excuse for how tight your segments are together. That would say to yourself, "Well, you know what? I got half a slice of pizza left on this plate. I got cold mashed potatoes. You know what? Screw it. I'm just putting them together, and I'm going for it." I'm. I am so bothered by this. I, I am an adventurous person when it comes to food, but Adam, this this is wrong. This is wrong. He's a freaking psychopath. What is wrong with him? First of all, I don't think it's a speed issue because he's kind of indicating that it is. But in order to rip the cheese off a of pizza and then add mashed potatoes, you're taking extra time here. So this is just how he likes it. So... I'm, I would make the argument that mashed potatoes are not a good food if you don't have, like, the butter and gravy on them. So you're taking this, like, chum of just slathered together potatoes with no topping and then throwing it on a pizza with no cheese? So what the man has created, essentially, is... Thanksgiving with mashed potatoes and a roll because it's just pizza dough, right? It's just pizza dough, so it's just bread. Like, if there's a little tomato left on it, then 
I, I don't know, it's, it's bread with a little sauce? Like, but once the cheese is gone, you probably can't even legitimately call it pizza anymore. It's yeah. bread and mashed potatoes. Ari, you have to weigh in on this, because if there's any one person who I think would it. actually like... I think Ari might actually enjoy the combination of pizza dough and mashed potatoes. I can't guarantee this. I'm not 100% sure, but if there's any one person on this earth who I think <laughs> might be able to take in that sickening combination, I think it's Ari. Okay, here are my thoughts. It is disgusting. I agree with everything you just said, and I don't understand that. Oh, at, God, you're setting all. up a butt here. But I like pizza with french fries. I think that's a cool combination. That's actually here, the same thing. No, it's not. It's not. You have, and I don't. I also, I'm not talking about piling it on or combining it into this weird food that Mel Kuyper thinks he's doing. I'm talking about just you know eating a slice of pizza. I got a couple of fries. You guys know I have to separate everything like pickles. So yeah, if I'm munching on a couple of fries here and there. As far as like the combination of all those foods, though, no. And then what? the gravy and ugh, no. Wait, hold on. You wouldn't put gravy on mashed potatoes. No, I absolutely would, but I wouldn't then mix it with any anything well, near he, a pizza. He's just putting non-gravy, non-butter mashed potatoes onto his pizza, which is just gross and weird. Uh, are you? You're saying that uh, though. I'm just trying to get this straight. <laughs> that you'll order, you'll have a slice of pizza and an order of French fries, but you're eating those separately. You're not having like the. I know that a certain place in town has a pizza with French fries. Our good friends over at Naked City has the Helen E pizza. Which is French fries on, on pizza? You're not doing that. You're eating nah. them separately. Correct. Yeah. Just you know, and God forbid if you know, like a little bit touches or something. That's not a big deal. So, basically, guys, what we've come down to here, food opinions aside, is that Bill Tobin was right all along, right, Adam? Bill Tobin was right all along when he said, "Who the hell is Mel Kiper? Who the hell is Mel Kiper?" And now, now that I know what sort of a psychopath he is, you picked the perfect word, to be mixing pizza-ish with mashed potatoes, there's no way I am trusting that man's mock draft ever again because he cannot be trusted to put together a plate of food. He cannot be trusted to put together a mock draft. Oh, oh, well, hold on. Before you hit Ari, I know it's pad time, and I don't mean to interrupt the pads. on. on yeah, pad apparently you time. do. I do. I'm actually. I, it just popped in my mind, though. I'm going to say go reverse on this. What if we go baked potato with, like, some tomato sauce, pepperoni, and cheese? I'm out. Oh, man. I don't know about that. I feel like this is, this is well, first of all, it's definitely better than how Mel Kuyper does it. I mean, it's better, but, I mean, just eating the box would be better than what Mel Kuyper does. Like, but I think like we, just... if we go reverse, we can at least come up with something. As someone that won't eat any of what you're talking about, I can actually see kind of the rationale behind that, though. Kind of like a stuffed like a, baked potato pizza a version. baked potato pizza. <laughs> okay, <we're laughs> Pads or nothing. Look, if we want to talk about people who have issues in football, I think we do have to talk about Tom Brady, Adam. Um, Tom Brady celebrated the, his 21st year in the NFL by saying what about his career? So today is the 21st anniversary. Uh, before I say exactly uh, what he said, I'm just going to ask the question, is Tom Brady funny? I don't know. Is that a yes from uh, from Ari? Ari's saying yes. The computer is saying really? yes. He thinks Tom, You think Tom Brady's funny? Uh, he's funny in that, like, I'm laughing at him often. 
I think drunk Tom him. Brady coming off a Super Bowl parade boat is funny. Sure. Unintentionally. He's sure. kind of doofus. Like, he's like a doofus. And that's funny sometimes. All right. So uh, from one organic doofus to another, from TB12 to Adam Island, wh- what did he actually say? So uh, front office sports sent in a tweet saying that Tom Brady was drafted exactly 21 years ago today. Uh, he has 10 Super Bowl appearances, seven Super Bowl titles, $263 million in earnings. And they threw up that famous picture of him at the combine, uh, just looking, just looking like a, a like a he'd eat a bunch of mashed potatoes and pizza. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so they sent out the tweet. He retweeted it and said, "Big day! My NFL career can legally buy a beer now." <laughs> oh, Thomas! Oh, Thomas! You slay me, Thomas! How do you come up with him? He's not funny. He you would think $263 million could buy you someone to write a better line than that. Well, I, I think it, it, kind of along those lines, like, I feel that he thinks he's funny. And there's a reason for that. Like, Tom Brady has basically owned every room he's been in for 20 years. Right? Any room he walks into, everybody just looks at him, cares about him. Whatever he says is the most important thing. He's owned every single room. Um, women love him. Guys want to be him. The old, you know, the old uh, phrase there on that. I feel like you get delusional to where anytime you even try anything resembling a joke, everyone around you is going to laugh hysterically just because they want, they want you to be impressed by them, to like them, whatever. And then it leads you to believe that you actually are funny. Yeah, it's kind of like being Cofield, right? Like, like, like we're required to laugh at the jokes. Sure. Like, we're required to go along with it. On a much smaller scale, sure. On a much, yeah. well, I mean, I, listen, what made me think of it is you said, you know, women want to be with him and guys want to be him. So that's the first guy that pops to mind for me is, uh, <laughs> wow. is Steve Cofield, right? Is that my, he's not is, here. You don't have to continue I, this well, I assume he's going to be listening later on the podcast. So, uh, you know, I just want to make sure that uh, we, we get that. On the record. I assume his beach day is spent. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully I didn't give anything away. What? Uh, just listening to us. Sitting, sitting there listening to us in the SO. Like, why are you listening to this awful show? Stroking out on a beach. Like, getting upset at us. Getting upset like, no, ah, I can't ever leave. I can't go. What are these guys doing? Well, we'll, we'll try to keep it a little bit normal for, for Steve. If you're listening right now. Because Stanford Route's going to join us here in just a moment to keep talking actual NFL instead of us talking draft and mashed potatoes. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Rest in peace, TMX, of course. Ari uh, bringing us back. A little bit of who we be. Uh, who we be is Adam Candy, Adam Hill, Cofield and Company, Adam's Family Edition here this afternoon. Uh, every week, our good friend Stanford Route joins us on Friday afternoons to talk a little bit of NFL and the world at large. What's happening, Stanford? How you doing, man? Stanford will join us here momentarily. There he is. What's going on? Hey, there there. 
Oh man, we we are uh, we are doing fantastic. It is a beautiful day here in Las Vegas. Um, it is it is an interesting time, not only for for the Las Vegas Raiders, but uh, for a lot of teams around the NFL right now. I know you've seen uh, what's been going on with players opting out of the in-person voluntary workouts. We're up to ten teams now, uh, including the Raiders, that have chosen not to do those workouts in person uh curious to get your take on the whole situation yeah i think that it just pretty much pretty much goes uh exactly uh and lockstep with a lot of the gripes that the players had back uh last all season even going into training camp threatening to actually not show up to training camp because the nfl has not taken the proper protocol they have not taken the proper steps to try to make it unequivocally in every way possible try to give the players the best possible chance it's still maintaining a high level of safety, things like that. And whenever the players look at the non-guarantee contracts, their gripes that they've already had with ownership in the NFL, the league office, things like that, this just shines more of a light on how the NFL does not exactly go the extra mile to make sure that the players feel exactly as comfortable as they can. So looking back at last season and watching it, and you know, we know there was COVID pauses and COVID you know, absences and all those things. But in terms of the play on the field, did you think it was greatly impacted by the fact that there was no in-person offseason? I think that early on in the first part of the season when you saw certain teams look a little bit discombobulated, a little some of the rookies seemed like it t- kind of took them a little bit longer to catch on. That's where I think the lack of OTAs, the lack of the mini camps, things like that, that's where I think that really played a part. For the veteran guys, no, it's not going to make a difference. Once you enter year four, year five, even for a lot of guys, year three, you already know how to play in this game. You know how to get yourself prepared. You know how to go ahead and get back into the swing of things. But I think for the young guys, for the guys who are changing teams, and this is their first season in a new system, a new scheme, things like that, those are the ones that probably struggled the most. But I think for the for the big ultimate picture, I thought that uh, – the NFL played out pretty well last season as far as the product on the field. Well, you talk about uh, mixing into new players, new system as it might be, and the Raiders are in just that spot here, Stanford, with a new defensive coordinator coming in. Uh, what do you think it will do to the Raiders if they don't have in-person in terms of putting in that new system? Do you think it might take them a little longer uh, to get up to speed with Gus Bradley? I certainly hope it doesn't, but the one good thing about Gus Bradley's system, it's pretty simple. Like, you look back at the Leech and the Boom, they did not trick the quarterback. They didn't confuse the quarterback. They just simply beat teams down because they had great players. They had a very simple scheme, and it allowed the guys like Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Bobby Wagner, all those boys, Richard Sherman, to be able to play fast, play loose. They already knew what the call was. Very few times do they even have to go to the huddle, things like that, because it was either going to be quarters or it's going to be some version of cover three. So that's the one upside to a Gus Bradley. He's not going to have a myriad of different calls. He's not going to have a myriad of different defensive schemes, exotic things that he's going to try to confuse the quarterback. It is line up, know your assignment, beat the man in front of you, and go make the play. Stanford Rout joining us here, as he does each and every week. Uh, on Cofield and Company, uh, you've you've been around the league, so you understand how these things work sometimes with the unions and everything else that's going on. Uh, Two part question on this: First, what does a team like the Raiders and all these other teams that have, that have announced that they're not going to participate? 
What does it do if a team or two out there says, you know what, we hear you, but we are. We're going to show up. Does that change uh, what some of these other teams are thinking? And then even like on a more micro level, some of these players get bonuses for showing up, and it sounds like the, the union is going to allow those players to show up to get their bonuses. But if I'm a guy competing with a job for that guy, I'm not letting him in the building when I'm not going in there. <laughs> and that, my friend, is <laughs> that right there is the underline. That's the little fine print. That's the thing that they don't tell you in those draft meetings. That's the business part of the NFL. So at times you do have to make that business decision of do I want to go ahead and opt out of the offseason simply because I want to go ahead and maintain my safety and my health, or do I want to make sure that that guy I'm competing with doesn't get a leg up on me, he doesn't get a chance to go ahead and hit his incentives or his bonuses and things like that. That's where you have to decide which one is truly more important to you, your health, or do you want to go ahead and sacrifice your health to a degree all because you want to make sure that you can go ahead and take care of what you have to take care of on the football field and things like that. So it's going to come down to a case-by-case, player-by-player basis. But I love how so far you've seen the NFLPA step in and basically telling these teams, hey, nobody is showing up, rather than it be a sort of a situation where you have proverbially some guys crossing the picket line, some guys going in to work in the offseason, and other guys opting out. I think that everybody's going to have to remain uniform, and this is going to have to be a lockstep agreement for all of the players across the league, not just some of them that it doesn't affect directly. Like I said, man, you've been there. You've been in the locker room. Could could this get ugly? Like, is it going to be managed well enough, or could it be ugly where, like, teammates are looking at each other like, bro, what what is up with that? Like, could this is this a situation that has to be managed, I guess I'll ask. I would say that because so far right now you only have 10 teams who have come out and said that all-season workouts are canceled, so to speak, you still have 22 other teams. So it's going to be very interesting to see how all that plays out now. If all 22 teams do not go and emphatically say all season is canceled, so to speak, then there is a possibility that you will see some of that strike, some of that little bit of a teammate-on-teammate type of violence, some sort of thing, as far as not everybody being on the same page, somebody feeling like they're getting somebody – Somebody else is having the, uh, the upper hand, something like that, because one person opted out, another person at the same position did not opt out. So you're going to have those situations if not all 32 teams, the 22 remaining teams, are willing to come out and say, you know what, no offseason. We're going to go ahead and, and make sure that we put hell first. We're not going to go ahead and, and tell everybody, hey, wink, wink. You don't have to come in. We're not going to hold it against you. And then you have some going in his second-year player who was undrafted last year. He wants to make sure that he's going to be able to make the team come this fall. So he wants to make sure that he puts up a good impression this offseason with OTAs, things like that, showing up to show the coaches that he's all in versus a veteran who's putting his family and his own health first and not showing up at all. So there is a good chance that if not all 32 teams emphatically say no offseason, there's a chance that you might see some of that strife. Stanford, what does voluntary mean in the NFL? <laughs> uh, I think you and I both know what voluntary means. It's kind of <laughs> like this, fellas. You got a girlfriend, you got a wife, a fiancé, and she tells you, no, honey, you don't have to get anything for our anniversary. You don't have to get me anything for my birthday. Yes, 
that's voluntarily. You know, obviously <laughs> what she said, she's putting it in it, in it, she's putting it in a very voluntarily type of suggestion. But we all know just because something says voluntary on the label does not mean that it is exactly voluntary. So for a lot of players, besides the bonuses, besides the incentive of the workout bonus, things like that, if you are in your fourth year, or let's say you're, you just finished your third year, you're going into your fourth year, and you really want to continue starting, and guess what? The team just drafted a guy in the first round who plays your position. Those coaches will remember that if said player outplays you in the preseason to a degree. They'll remember things like that because, you know what, that other guy, he showed up in April, May, June, things like that. You didn't really show up unless it was for the mandatory minicamp. So a lot of those coaches, they look at that like you're not all the way focused. You're not all the way buying into everything that we're trying to do. You're not all the way in, as a lot of coaches would like to say. And so they may hold that against you if it if it comes down to a position battle. And let's say you guys live in Vegas. You know about boxing very well. You know that boxing match that we don't know who won the, we don't know who won the bout, so it goes to the judges where they got to go to the scorecards, things like that. Coaches will hold that against you. Stanford, are you gonna? You just mentioned boxing. I'll ask you: Are you gonna watch this? spectacle of a boxing match tomorrow between a wrestler who can't punch and a YouTube star and Jake Paul. Like I'm all in because I think the concert's going to be great too. Uh, I like spectacles. I'm in. Are you in for this? I tell you this guys, I am in for, I am into spectacles. I'm not going to lie. As much as it kind of pains me to say it, I probably will go ahead and watch the fight. Not exactly sure where I'm going to watch it at, but I probably will go ahead and check it out because as I'm now getting 30, I'm 37 years old, as I'm now getting a little bit older, I like seeing things that are entertaining. It doesn't necessarily have to be the best match or the best bout as far as like having the most purely tactical fighters. But, yeah, you know what? I do like to have a little bit of entertainment, even though I know I'm not going to be wowed by the prowess by either guy. It still is something that's going to be entertaining for about an hour or so on a Saturday night. Stanford Route, former NFL defensive back, brings it every single week talking to us. Uh, Stanford, when, I, when my girlfriend asks me to do something, I'm going to say, hey, Stanford told me it's really voluntary. All right, is that okay? <laughs> hey, hey, guys, do not put my name in it. When somebody <laughs> tells you something is voluntary based on who it is, whether it's, you know, a girlfriend, fiance, wife, or just, you know, a friend like a homeboy, based on who it is, you got to know the difference. And always know this, it may be voluntarily. It may be considered voluntary. That does not mean voluntary does not come with any consequences. It does not mandate that you go to college, but it would behoove you in the real world as far as the job market to get a degree and go to college. It will. It, you don't have to go to a top-notch school to get a great job or get drafted high in the NFL. But it might behoove you to go to an Alabama versus going to a Valdosta State or something like that. So always know, fellas, voluntary, man, 
Just because it's voluntary don't mean that it don't come with no consequences. <laughs> Not only football takes, but life advice from Stanford right here. We appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you next week. You guys be good. I'll talk to you next week, man. Y'all be safe. Enjoy All the right. spectacle. All right. <laughs> uh, on the other side, Fauci. Marshawn. We got more. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live at the Golden Circle Sports Bar inside TI. Time now for Dustin DeHart's Club 99. Back to Steve Cofield. Back to Adam Candy and Adam Hill, as it were. I'm going to just spoil the ending here and say the rating on this interview that we have been playing throughout the show is 99. There is no other way to discuss it. Marshawn Lynch, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's number one infectious disease expert, talking about the COVID-19 vaccine and skepticism within some communities of color, as well as distribution issues in some communities of color in terms of their access to the vaccine. And Marshawn Lynch talked earlier in the show about the hesitation that African-Americans have based on years of mistreatment, years of broken government promises when it comes to how well their communities are treated. And they got into some deeper questions. And one of the questions that Marshawn Lynch asked Dr. Fauci was, does the vaccine affect black and brown people differently than it affects white people? When we tested the vaccine in African-American and Hispanics, it was safe and it induced the kind of response that was literally identical to the response in whites. It was the same as whites. It was as safe as it was in whites and it was effective as it was in whites. So with a, and, and that information is public knowledge. Well, it's public knowledge when we hear it from a guy like Dr. Fauci, when he talks about it, talking to a guy like Marshawn Lynch, who had some very deep, interesting questions to ask Dr. Fauci. And one of the next ones that he said was, why is it that black and brown people are affected so differently by COVID-19? Because we know that the deep sickness and mortality rates are much higher among people of color than they are for white people. The medical or the research that y'all have, uh, you know, acquired, what, what is it about our bodies that is producing that is going to take a, 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 a strenuous toll on us than maybe, say, the white person? All right, great question. Uh, great question, Marshawn. What, what it is is that in the African-American population, likely because of decades and decades, if not centuries, of social determinants of health, you have, as a, as a group, as a community of, Af- of, of brown and black people, you have a higher incidence of those underlying conditions that make it much more likely that when you get infected, you're going to get a serious outcome. When he talks about underlying conditions, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, as Marshawn called him earlier, talked about diabetes. He talked about high blood pressure. He talked about things that have been chronic problems throughout communities of color uh, when we talk about health issues over the course of a number of years. And, And Adam, I was 
I don't mean this in a derogatory way. I actually mean this in, in my eyes were open sort of way. When Marshawn asked the question to say, what is it about our bodies that is affected differently? That there's a, a very real reason and a legitimate thought for people of color to hear that COVID-19 has had a deeper effect on African-Americans, on Hispanic people, and really think that there's something in terms of body chemistry that right. that is different and it's it's not that it's the fact that other chronic conditions just affect those communities in such a deeper way well and it's it's years and years and as as dr fauci dr fauci uh points out uh decades and decades and centuries and centuries of you know lack of access to preventative care and that in those sorts of things that that lead to uh as he said uh, worse outcomes with this because uh, they're they're more vulnerable, uh, and so so yeah, I think that that's very fair. When you hear statistics like you've heard about how much more profound the impact is in communities of color, uh, it really is. It, it's I you know a lot more also uh, with poor communities too, uh, which is you know there's some overlap there, uh, but it's it's. You, you start to think of like, well, wait, why is this? Like, is this something that is attacking, you know, us as a people, it, it, as Marshawn kind of asked it? Like, why is that happening? And, and it's good to hear the answer to that is it's not about your body or your makeup as a person. It's just about where you, you know, where you live and where your community is and what kind of access you've had to healthcare in the past. That's kind of the difference here. Well, it gets deeper. The interview goes on, and Marshawn and Dr. Fauci get to the point where I'm not going to say they are heads up, but there are definitely disagreements uh, in that discussion where it almost feels like Dr. Fauci is talking in a way to Marshawn Lynch where Marshawn is trying to educate Dr. Fauci. And I think that's going to be really interesting for everyone to get a listen to coming up in the 5 o'clock hour we're going to have sort of the crescendo of this interview between Dr. Anthony Fauci, as Marshawn calls him, Fauci-zy, and, Mar- and Marshawn Lynch. If you want to see this entire interview, go to Marshawn Lynch's YouTube or to his Twitter, at Money Lynch on Twitter. It is a half-hour interview. Uh, I tweeted it out on my Twitter and said, shut up and listen. Because you're going, no matter who you are, you're going to learn something, whether it's about the vaccine or whether it's about the community at large and how they view the COVID-19 vaccine. We come back, we're going to talk to the man, the myth, the legend, our good friend Dave Koken about the world of sports gambling in a moment on Cofield Company. Club 99 is presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Want to talk interest rates and ask about getting your mortgage tuned up? Dustin is Cofield's real estate guy. He needs to be yours, too. Call Dustin DeHart at 577-2600. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Dave Kogan. The man, the myth, the legend, as he does every Friday, joining us here on Cofield and Company. No Steve Cofield today, Adam Candy, Adam Hill. Adam Hill at the Golden Circle Sports Bar at the TI for the Vegas Golden Knights watch party that begins 
at 7 p.m. tonight. Vegas taking on the Anaheim Ducks. Dave, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing fine. Looking forward to watching that hockey game tonight and see if the Knights can pick up another two points. Certainly been moving the right direction of late against the bottom of that West Division. Uh, about a week and a half, a little, about roughly a week and a half, two weeks before we get to the NFL draft. Uh, Dave, we've obviously been talking plenty about it here. H- has there been anything that you've seen posted in terms of uh, draft props that's, that's piqued your attention? No, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't bet NFL draft props, and I don't really care about the draft. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I, I don't know about it. You know, once they get drafted, I'll, I'll pay attention to them see where they fit on certain teams and see if there's uh, something I can gain in terms of information, but uh, it, it, I doubt I'll even watch the draft. I'll just follow it on, on Twitter and see who gets picked where. And I brought that up for a reason because this whole discussion that we've seen going on around who's going to get picked third by the 49ers has just been wild to me in terms of the markets because everything is essentially moving on a tweet or moving on speculation there's no hard evidence of anything there's nothing we can actually look at and say is it going to be justin fields is it going to be mac jones it only takes one or two reports and we've seen you know markets shift from three to one to one to three yeah and again i i i don't mean to sound ignorant on it but i haven't followed it at all so i i i don't know what to tell you i i just, it's just look I, i'm a daily better and prop stuff doesn't particularly interest me I'm out there to try and beat the books on a daily basis and right now in baseball and hockey, and that's where basically all my attention focused at and spring football news and college football because I think that's really important to track. So I'm going to ask you another question about something you probably aren't going to follow, but I'm actually going somewhere with it. But uh, there's a fight tomorrow involving a YouTube star named yep. Jake Paul and a former MMA fighter who was always one of the worst strikers in all of MMA in Ben Askren, I was told this is the biggest bet boxing match in well over a year. People are fired up about this. Do you have any interest in this? And, and like I'm saying, I am going somewhere with this with a follow-up. No, none whatsoever. Okay. Uh, it, but it, it, does state, it, it does indicate to me, once again, the state of boxing. The sport that has absolutely ruined itself over the years with gimmick, nonsense. Uh, what are they going to do, holy field against somebody? Yeah. Uh, Boxing boxing is is a joke, okay? It's an absolute joke. You want to follow it, that's fine. I think it's a waste of time. MMA at least puts together quality cards on a regular basis rather than maybe once or twice a year. Uh, I mean, look, the best boxer in the world, I think the consensus is Terrence Bud Bud Crawford. How about matching him up with some of the other really great fighters that there is? But no, boxing doesn't want to do that, so... Uh, I pretty much said the hell with boxing. I gave up my presidential years ago. It's, uh, it's a waste of time. And uh, and this fight just validates that opinion. Who are these guys? What business do they have being... I, I don't know. I, if that's what's in, of interest out there, fine, go for it. I'm not criticizing anybody else's taste, but I couldn't care less. So so the reason I was, I was bringing this up, because I wanted to read you this quote from Ben Askren, which I actually thought was interesting. He's, he's one of the guys in boxing, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it because he was told how many people are betting on this, and he thinks it's ridiculous. He said, quote, uh, I actually think betting on this fight is very silly and risky, but hey, some people just love risk, and I think people just want to say I bet on the fight because they want to have an opinion one way or the other. 
But compared uh, compared to for me as a gambler, the fights I want to bet on are the ones I actually have an opinion on where I'm like, hey, I've seen these dudes fight 20 times. I know what they're going to do. I understand their strengths and weaknesses. And I'm going to make a make a, a wager. I'm going to wager on my opinion on that. Uh, you know, I don't gamble much anymore. When I used to, uh, I would win quite a bit. In this one, there's just so many unknowns. Why would you bet on this? What do you think about a, a fighter, an athlete, saying that about something he's competing in? Well, at least he sounds sounds like he's being honest. Yeah, uh, give him points for that. Um, but you know, look, betting is divided into two segments of people: those who are serious about it. And those who just are looking for recreation and amusement. And the overwhelming majority is the second portion of that, uh, yeah. that equation. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody who does that because to do it on a daily basis it takes a lot of work. And, and you really still don't have that great a chance of winning. So, you know, why not treat it as amusement? Yeah. Well, Dave... Let's get over to what you are following closely right now with uh, baseball. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling you would enjoy that. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little baseball. Um, yeah, I was looking up here midweek and seeing the Royals with a winning record, seeing the Pirates more competitive than we thought they were going to be, seeing the Marlins being a little bit plucky here. What's been going on with some of the, uh, some of the teams that we thought were going to be more of the bottom feeders in the major leagues? Uh, it's early. Uh, is what I'll say. I think the Tigers, weren't they like 18 and 18 last year at one point? And then they just started losing every game. So the reality will set in at some point, and the good teams will take off and the bad teams will settle in. But, you know, coming out of spring training, there's a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, some of the rosters aren't as set as they might like to be because of injuries of COVID. And, uh, and you often see this in, in April where a team will come out of the gate exceeding expectations. But eventually, reality starts to set in. Now, the Royals are a little more interesting because they're probably only a couple of years away from being pretty good again, and they might just be ahead of schedule. That's not a bad-looking lineup on a daily basis. The pitching is really questionable, so I, I think they'll eventually uh, head back downhill. But winning early at least builds excitement, it builds confidence, and maybe you'll get one of these one of these teams, maybe two, that will continue playing well throughout the season. How do we how do we handle the Dodgers? I, I just I oh bet them the, I bet them under for the season. I was like, that's just such a high total, but it's it's eleven games in. And I'm like, I already lost this. How do I bet them on a day to day basis? Like, you don't want to step in front of them, but you can't lay those prices every day. No, I guess the only way to handle them is runs line, which is still dicey. But I mean, they they win most of their games by a lot anyway. Um, they're a monster. I just we could be looking at one of the best teams of all time. Uh, they're already plus, I think, 34 runs, 11-2. and two. Their pitching is dynamite. Uh, the offense is tremendous. They've got an incredible depth. I mean, you lose key players and somebody else steps right in and hits up the pieces with, with no downgrade whatsoever, it seems. Uh, they're just strong everywhere. Now, I, David Price looks like he could become the co-closer with Kenley Jansen now. How strong is that? Uh, I, I don't see any way they're not going to win this thing. In a short series, anything can happen, but they are clearly the best team in baseball. And that's, that's a tough break for the Padres, who are also very good, but they're in the same division as the Dodgers. Yeah, Dave, and we talked about the pitching for, for that Dodgers team. It's, it's, oh. you know, it's, it's unbelievable that the, the wealth that they have. I, I wanted to, to get your thoughts, pitching-related, when it comes to 
betting? Because I've seen a couple of books in town move away from having listed pitchers. It's just action on everything. Um, you know, what do you think about that? And, and, and you know, how do you approach it when you're looking at starting pitchers uh, with listed versus action? Depends on the game. If it's something team-oriented, I don't care who starts. But most of my, most of my baseball handicapping uh, really focuses on the starting pitchers. So uh, I, I guess all I can say is I bet where I can list the pitchers. Um, fortunately, there are options available. And I will generally go with the list of pitchers, even if it costs me a nickel. Uh, I, this might be right up your alley, Dave, to uh, rub it in a little bit. Do the Yankees stink? They got some problems. Uh, look, I, you know, I, everybody's just kind of too suited, but I thought Tanaka leaving was a big deal. Not that he was the number one starter, but he was still a middle of the rotation plus. Uh, pitching isn't that good. Uh, Gary Cole's sensational, but if that problem is the middle of the rotation, I think the bullpen's going to be pretty good. Uh, and the other problem is the offense, which hasn't started to roll yet. I think it will. I think they're going to be a team that once the weather warms up and that Yankee Stadium short porch really starts coming into play, you'll start to see them do better. But they might not be as good as people thought going in. And it kind of looks like the Red Sox have got a little fire under them with Joey Cora, uh, Alex Cora, back in the dugout. Uh, the players love playing for him. It's been fought what happened last year. So maybe they're going to be more competitive. Tampa is still a good team. I, I don't think they're as good as they were last year, but they're a decent club. Blue Jays are on the way up. Um, that division could be a lot of fun. Hey, Dave, as a Yankees fan, I agreed with you from the beginning of the season. I never knew who the number two starter was. Kluber's a shell of himself. Tayon's yep. coming off a second Tommy John. Montgomery doesn't look right. Germán got sent to the minors. They, they, they have issues. They, they have big issues that have to get solved. And uh, Red Sox, of course, have ripped off eight in a row and look like it's going to be a very, very competitive division. The legend Dave Koken joins us every Friday. Of course, you can always catch him on the Late Night Pod with uh, Steve Cofield most weeks uh, as well uh, with Steve Cofield and Dave Koken. We appreciate it, Dave. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure, guys. Have fun. Big five at five on the other side. More of Cofield and Company is on the way live at the Golden Circle Sports Bar inside TI.